0: I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. Yo soy. Doyla. Guya. I am
1: Mount Mary. Welcome back to the I Am Mount Mary podcast. I'm Ted Ishler. Today we'll be talking to one of the most forward-thinking administrators on the Mount Mary campus. Dr. Cheryl Bailey is a dean at the university, but she has a fascinating background, having witnessed injustice firsthand, growing up as part of a missionary family during apartheid in South Africa. She brings a unique perspective to her duties at Mount Mary, and we're glad to have her here today to talk about the exciting things on the horizon at the university. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so how are you doing?
0: Doing well today.
1: Great. So you are the dean of the Graduate Health and Professional Programs. Talk a little bit about what that is.
0: So we have some programs, particularly for the graduate health, are occupational therapy, dietetics, art therapy, and counseling. And in the professional programs, we have social work and education.
1: That's a broad range of different types of disciplines.
0: Yeah. So one thing I've definitely learned is that having the experts in the field through the faculty and the chair of the department is critical for these programs to be successful.
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about your background, too, and, and sort of like you're raising. I, I saw a little quote from you from something that I thought was interesting. It said, after viewing hypnosome parasites swimming under a microscope, I became hooked on science, as, as every kid does, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Tell me so, about that.
0: Yeah, so it turns out that with trypanosomes that they cause sleeping sickness in Africa. And so after seeing that as a child, where I was at a missionary hospital, they, in Africa, they um, explained to me what that was, and I was blown away by just the thought. You could see the red blood cells, you could see the trypanosomes. It turns out that my postdoctoral work I did after getting my uh, doctorate in biochemistry was it, working with trypanosomes. So hmm. I was very fortunate that in the department, we had a premier scientist working on that, so I got to return to my roots of science, so to speak, and be able to work on some ways to try to regulate that, um, the parasite, which would then therefore regulate and eliminate, uh, sleeping sickness. It's a long journey, Hmm. but that was the goal.
1: So while other kids are out on the playground, you're, you're (laughs) thinking of parasites. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you, you had mentioned briefly right there that you were in a missionary's family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that.
0: Yeah. So for about from six to 16, I was a missionary. And so I had um, all that growing up years. In the middle of that, you come home for furlough, and that's part of raising money and connecting with the churches that are supporting you. But otherwise, um, I went to school there, made friends there, grew up there. My father was particularly a principal of a Bible college.
1: And this is in South Africa?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he was also out uh, in the field building churches. So he's building the people who are going to run the churches, and he's also physically raising money to build the churches. And so then when the churches were built, they would have a minister available who went through the Bible Bible college to be able to populate the churches. And he worked with uh, black South Africans to populate uh, churches and to teach them uh, to become ministers. Wow.
1: Wow. That's such a different kind of upbringing. How do you think that affected you into then what you wanted to do and where you are now?
0: I think that that um, giving aspect of being uh, concentrating on developing uh, opportunities, I think that that's something that resonates well with me, particularly being at Mount Mary University. I think that that developing the opportunity here is for education so that uh, students can transform the world.
1: And talk about some of the things that you saw then as a part of a missionary family. Like Mm -hmm. what were some of the experiences that you had?
0: Well, it was pre-apartheid. And so when I went to school, I was in an all-white school. And then when I was with my dad, when he was doing his work at the Bible college and uh, with the church raising, then I was the only white person because that was still apartheid time. And so that was a different uh, way of experience because I was always an American, so you were called a Yank uh, for being a Yankee. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was uh, working through different cultures, except when you're a child, you can play. And so it really is an innocent time in certain ways when I look back about m- my perspective, because being a child, you can go in and you can play the same sort of games no matter where you are. And so um, that lowers certain barriers, even though it, uh, when you look at it at the larger, larger picture, I can see um, what it meant for me as a missionary kid coming from the United States being in that situation.
1: Yeah, so many people have heard about segregation and things like that from history books, but you're, you were actually there and kind of in the middle of it
0: yes and my parents definitely pointed out this was like what it was in the united states with uh having benches that were marked white or uh black having different entrances into stores so i was able to see what i realized later moving back to the states and reading more about history of this in the united states i could picture that with my experience in south africa
1: And does that still stay with you?
0: Yes, that um, has affected the way of looking at equity with growth in myself that I came to understand that even though I had that experience, it didn't mean that I knew what it was like to grow up. As in a certain a racial or ethnic background in the United States. So it could that kind of experience can be an impediment because you think you understand things until you come to realize that your experience, even though you were all part of that, is not the same as somebody who's grown up in a certain way in the United States and that's the continued growth that I needed to have um, that has helped me in the mission of Mount Mary University.
1: Yeah, and Mount Mary is such a diverse university, so I'm sure you you can play off of uh, what you've learned when you're interacting with students.
0: Mm-hmm. So that cultural humility of not knowing somebody else's experience is really critical to the role that we have in Mount Mayor University, being number one for social mobility, as well as being Hispanic-serving institution, which is under the umbrella of a minority-serving institution. And so that has been a lifelong journey for me. It's not. It's been affected by how I started out. But it's that growth after that and continued lifelong learning, I think, that's important for everybody.
1: And in a broader sense, coming back around to Mount Mary, what is it about the university that you think makes it so unique?
0: I think that it's the driven from the mission of the sisters where they were uh, originated the university to, to provide the opportunity for immigrant women to have access to education and then intentionally uh, diversifying that with non-traditional women when you get into the 70s. And what Sister Ellen, a previous president, told me the story is, is that those women who came in were often of means, and they started forming groups for different uh, racial, ethnic, and age of women coming into the university so that they could have a sense of belonging because they didn't necessarily have a sense of belonging when they first came in because of their age. Because now you have the first non-traditionals, right? And so uh, she saw that Sister Ellen saw that as a real uh, stimulator of where we are now. Is because those cohort groups were built so that people could have a sense of uh, a sense of identity within their clubs or whatever type of organization that they developed, and that's what provided uh, the the foundation for where we are right now.
1: There are a lot of interesting things happening at the university. I know that you've been involved in some of the things. One of the things I'm thinking of right at the top of my head is the uh, anatomage table mm-hmm. that uh, is now being used for a lot of the um, science programs. Talk a little bit about that and what, and what that is.
0: Yes. So we were fortunate uh, with the Howard Hughes uh, Medical Institute funding to be able to fund a table that allows students to visualize the um, true cadavers, real cadaver images So that means that they can have lots of images in here, also of uh, PET scans and MRIs and things like that. And so what it allows is, instead of having a a cadaver lab, which can be very expensive, has a lot of regulations, this is a way where we've moved into the digital age of this type of version. And so the students can have practice time in there, they can work with the images, and what it really allows them to do is a lot of time with the health professions and anatomy and physiology The issue can be that you can learn different systems, but to put them together in the context of the body is something that students often comment and faculty often comment can be a barrier. And so that way you can learn the systems in the classroom and then go into the anatomage, see them in different cadaver images, and then be able to manipulate them and see them in the context of the whole body.
1: Yeah, so it's almost like a full-size table that is the size of a human being, yes. and it, like doing a virtual autopsy, I guess.
0: Yes, yes, you're right. That's a good way to put it, where uh, being able to even have it have blood flow. I mean, different types, so it's dynamic instead of only relying on... A model, which is still three dimensional in your hands, or a two dimensional picture, you're able to have that uh, real life size with dynamics that you can have. It has another uh, aspect to it as well. For the natural sciences, it shows molecules interacting. You can run experiments that you would, so you could see what it would look like to prepare for a lab. There's some basic science that they're going to develop more and more and more with the table.
1: Well, yeah. So it's really fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other unique things that are happening that you know of in, at Mount Mary?
0: Yeah. So one of the ones that's really looking future forward is uh, our occupational therapy program is working with a company to be able to develop using AI a way for students to be able to uh, have a, uh, build their skills in. And, and it will develop a system for culturally sensitive care. So not only before the beginning um, p- appointment with the person, where they may want to learn more about their culture in general, not knowing that that's how the person um, is going to align, and then when the person is working with the occupational therapist to co-create their care plan, they can then use this also to learn more about some of the specific concerns that may have a cultural aspect that the patient is concerned about for developing their care plan. So I can give you an example. If you are working with an indigenous person and you were going to co-create a care plan and they had emphysema and an OT uh, student learned from the patient that they wanted to continue in a cultural tradition of smudging, which includes um, smoke. And so if you were to able to, to be able to use this tool to look up what are ways that potentially could be alternate uh, for the patient to choose, or it could be that you're looking at if you were still going to participate in that, what could be some immediate treatments afterward or some immediate uh things that the patient could do that would help um, their pathway towards healing, including what was important to them.
1: Hmm. It's a very cutting-edge technology using AI.
0: Yes, yes, it is. That's at least what the the experts in the field are telling
1: us. That's great that Mount Mary is staying ahead of everything and, and, and incorporating these new technologies as well.
0: Yes, we're very conscious that we need to develop graduates who are digitally healthy, feel comfortable using technology, um, even if they haven't used that particular technology, they've used enough different technology that they're like, oh, okay, this is like that. Oh, I recognize that type of thing. And so they're able to then move in their fields and through their life feeling uh, able and enthusiastic about using technology cause, because we're only going to be all using more technology.
1: Right. So it, it builds that foundation that when they do get out there in the workforce, it's like, oh yeah, I've, I've done this. Yes. This is, yes, I know what I'm doing.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And have you heard from employers uh, who have hired Mount Mary students that they feel like they're well-prepared?
0: Yes. They're focusing on the fact that they not only have the technical skills, which is what we're looking at uh, with digital technology, but also have the um, ability to think about problems, to be able to troubleshoot, to be able to have a work ethic, and to have that positive attitude about learning new things, which then goes back again towards that digital technology.
1: And so what are you looking forward to in the future of things that you see down the road that might be able to incorporate here at Mount Mary?
0: Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about my job, is that um, I don't know, but but because I'm working with these forward-facing programs it develops as the future develops because we need to be ahead of the future. And so as I work with these experts in the field and we look at opportunities as far as the granting agencies, foundations, their heads being in the future as well, when we combine that together, then I have the opportunity to help develop that story and to remove barriers, to provide resources. But I'm pretty much depending on others that have these this expertise and so it's very satisfying
1: yeah and and exciting to know that all these things can be happening and and that we'll be right on top of it here at mount mary
0: yes we absolutely have to because if we're going to graduate students that transform the world then they need to have the tools
1: going back to thinking about your life in general now too what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten
0: yeah, so when I finished graduate school, did a postdoc that I had mentioned before and uh, was got my first teaching position, my dad said to me, it's now not about you. Their success is your success. And so that fits in with everything that we're doing at Mount Mary and our perspective here is that the student success is our success.
1: Absolutely. It reflects on everyone here. And, and you're creating a lot of successful people out there.
0: Yeah. Or at least we're helping provide the environment that the students can create their success.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good way to put it. Yeah. All right. Well, Cheryl, very interesting. And thank you so much for yeah. joining us. And thanks everybody for listening. And we will talk to you again soon. All
0: right. Thank you. Bye-bye.